0: and the heart of a champion
1: Welcome back to this season two episode of the Code of Man podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited about what we're getting ready to discuss over the next oh, 35 40 minutes
0: lives in the heart of a champion
1: And here we are. So let me let me throw out a good example. Can I do that? Sure it would be good to do something positive. Let's cross all of the lines again. You know, okay. uh, Christian celebrity, denominational traditionalism, Christian nationalism. All right, let's cross all the lines again with Billy Graham. Now, when I use the name Billy Graham, I'm using it in a very positive context. But I got to tell you, in the fundamental hardcore circles, Billy Graham's always been considered a heretic, compromiser. He's just one of them Christian celebrities too. What's interesting about Billy Graham that I think shuts the mouths is 80 years of public ministry, not a single scandal. Mm-hmm. He, he passed away, what, it's been three, four years ago? Something like that. Yeah. And they haven't dug up anything on him yet. Now, why is that? How can you have a guy who has been in the public eye at the level he has? I'm not talking locally or nationally. I'm talking globally, mm-hmm. and yet there's nothing they can pin on him. Billy Graham himself has acknowledged a couple of things. And and you know what would do a lot of people some good is if they'd stop repeating what they've heard that gets a lot of amens and just do the research themselves. Billy Graham said, I never considered myself a theologian. He wasn't a pastor. He said, I'm an evangelist. I preach the cross. That's that's what I know. That's what I preach. And he admitted that there's things he didn't quite have the answers to. (gasps) Shame that you would admit that there's things you don't quite know or that you're not dogmatic about. Right. Can we pull another verse out of context that gets thrown at him a lot? And it's, see, we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. Yeah. Well, all I can say, oh, and uh, the second thing that I was going to say about Billy Graham was what? Uh, I'll go back and play the recording later and see what it was, and I'll bring it back to my mind. But anyway, let me get to the, the point of why Billy Graham is a good example of what we're talking about. In 1948, Billy Graham is starting to get big, and he's, he's one that is being invited to preach at different places. The crowds are growing. He hasn't himself, per se, sought this, but it is coming his way. He's gifted, he's talented, he's passionate, and he's getting the bigger crowds. So he is in Modesto, California with his evangelistic team. I don't remember who all was on that team, but I think there's like three or four men that made up the core of his leadership. But they were in Modesto, California during a crusade and in the hotel room where they were staying, Billy Graham said to the men on his team, God has brought us to this point. Maybe he's preparing us for something that we don't know. So he got the team together and he said, let's establish some guidelines for how we're going to do ministry to make sure we do it right, to make sure we don't fall into the traps and the snares. And it's known as the Modesto Manifesto. I don't know if that's official or not, but it was in that hotel room. They came up with these four things that they were going to set accountability and guard against between themselves. The first one was to avoid financial abuse. Uh, I don't know all the details of it, don't have time to talk about it. It's a great model, though. For them, they were going to live on a salary that was going to meet their needs and allow them to live comfortably, but they weren't taking the offerings and splitting the offerings up among themselves. There was going to be a financial accountability. People would oversee that and how the money was spent. And to this day, you can't name one financial scandal of Billy Graham or his ministry. Secondly, they were going to protect against and guard against sexual immorality. They set things in order. That's where you, if you've ever heard the Billy Graham rule, yeah, Yeah. people are kind of make fun of that and misinterpret that, and and I I I get you can misapply a lot of things, okay, but there's no sexual scandals, faithful to his wife all the way to the end, pride. They wanted to resist pride, Um, specifically with relationship to other to churches. They did not want to give the impression that they were above anybody, that there was big me and little you. And so they held themselves accountable to that. And then against lying and deceit. And this, I thought, was interesting. As an example of this, they, were, they never actually reported the numbers of their, the attendance to the Crusades. I didn't know that, but they left that up to local newspapers or if local churches wanted to announce. But the Billy Graham Evangelistic Ministry, or whatever it's called... They never, because they didn't want anybody to say that they were pumping themselves up or trying to promote themselves. Mm -hmm. For him, it was all about the message of the cross and of Jesus and the resurrection and of salvation. And 80 years of preaching and ministry, I think he did pretty well. Oh, I know the second thing now. He himself acknowledged, and this factors into it, he acknowledged later in life that he wished he would have stayed out of politics and done a better job of not getting pulled into a lot of that. You know, he was... He was close to a lot of presidents during his time, but he did acknowledge later on. I don't know all the reasons for that, but I think it's probably some of the stuff we're talking about now. It's distraction. It's taking you from your purpose. And to the young preacher out there, don't get distracted from the purpose. Yeah.
2: I think when when you look at Billy Graham, we can say that time is the best truth teller. And you look at his ministry, and you, you made the point. He's passed away three, four years now, and they— there's nothing there's nothing that's that's surfacing and surely if, if they were able to find something they would they would to bring it to pass but you think of the celebrity culture and how folks try to mask things meaning they they do things that billy graham wasn't doing for example the numbers and they say oh i'm just promoting god i'm not yeah. promoting myself Bless God, we have five thousand last night. But God, I'm, I'm here to promote God, and they and they literally use the personal pronoun I like a hundred times mm-hmm. in in two minutes. However, that's possible. But they're here to promote God. But Billy Graham, like I said, times the best truth teller. It, his ministry is showing over time that it was all about God. It was all about Jesus Christ, and. Saying something and doing it is two completely different things, and I think Billy Graham's ministry is a a good summary
1: of that. The most important attaboy, but let's use a biblical term, the most important well done we'll receive is the one that Christ gives us. And it is time for us to go back to the understanding that the the local church pastor, the local church um, worship leader, we can use that term, the person that gets up every week, that fills that role of helping p- invite people into the worship of God in, the, in their church meeting by using their talent of their gift of their voice or their musical ability, but it is clearly not about them. There's nothing they're doing, saying, no way they're acting, in which says, look at me, pat me on the back. We need to celebrate that. Yeah, we right. need to honor those people again. But they're oftentimes in the shadows. But I tell you, there's going to come a day when the light of truth will cast all the big names into the shadows and the light will shine on these people that nobody ever knew their name except a handful of people, but those they made the difference for those folks. So here, here's the question. Let me transition with this back to the article by Randy Alcorn. He says the remedy is to stay plugged into Scripture and to remind ourselves we're no better than anyone else we're all under the same rules. God is watching and he cares how we live. It's a huge mistake to believe what people think about you. One day you're a hero, the next day you're a jerk. That's why we have to set aside people's opinion of us. We have to know who we are and who we aren't in God's eyes. Now, of course, we've all heard the, the fiery preacher get up and say, Divorce yourself from public opinion. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I'll be back next year, brother. Yeah. yeah. I hope your pastor will have me back. <laughs> yeah. But, but Jesus modeled this. Right. Jesus modeled what Randy Alcorn said right there. It's a huge mistake to believe what people think about you. And I I thought about this passage in John chapter two, and then I want us to kind of just wrap this thing up by talking about how do we avoid this? How do we avoid the trap? But here Jesus is, John chapter two, and he has just driven. Well, let me back it up a step. He's turned water into wine, formed his first miracle in Cana, and now he's driven all the 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 heathen out of the temple. I mean, he is on fire. And it says in verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But listen to this. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Let me stop right there. Who are you committed to? Whose opinion matters? Whose voice speaking about you is the most important in your life? Okay, Whether you're the guy on track for the celebrity status or whether you're the diesel sniffer, whose, whose approval are you looking for? It says, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. That security that Jesus had in who he was and in his life mission kept him from falling into the trap of celebrity. Over and over and over again, the scriptures speak to that. How do we avoid this from happening in our life, in the lives of somebody listening, the the men in our church that are leading our churches, leading our families? How do we keep our children from going down that that trail of chasing the world's acclaim, even if it's called Christian?
2: I think for it would be very important for us to take a self-assessment because, let's be honest, if we were to go up to these individuals that are Christian celebrities and talk to them about this, what are they going to say? Yeah, a, a lot of them are going to say, well, well, no. No, I'm not. A lot of them are going to be in denial. So d- doing a self-assessment, and not only them, but also, as, as Overtrek mentioned, the diesel sniffers, who wants to admit to that? Who wants to say, yeah, I just chase around—I'm a fanboy. I just chase around famous preachers all week long. They're going to deny that. Most people yeah. are. So having, doing an assessment of yourself and and looking deep and saying, okay, do I do this? Am, am I, when I get up to, to preach, because idolatry, what idolatry is, is simply um, taking the glory from God and giving it to another. Am, am I taking God's glory and giving it to myself? Am I giving it to somebody else? Do a, an assessment. I don't want to butcher this story, but Charles Spurgeon, he talked to a gentleman one time, who had brought someone with him to hear Spurgeon preach. And after the message was over, Spurgeon asked him, he said, what did your friend think? And he said, well, he, he really enjoyed it. He said, you are a wonderful preacher. Spurgeon said something along the lines of, well, I failed. Because if he after i preach he should be saying jesus is a wonderful savior yes and that is the assessment key. that we need to to take what where are our motives yes yeah. so
1: stop following men who are not leading you closer to jesus and and you've already kind of tapped into the second point that had scratched out earlier deal with your own envy and covetousness yeah
3: i think i would add because you, you mentioned you know, how do how do we help our how do we help our children i think we have to take ownership and responsibility of Again, going back to something that I, that I said earlier, what are we teaching that success is? For so for so long, you know, we, we ask our children, and I think it's a great question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And unfortunately, a lot of times the child will give their answer, and then the response from the adult is something along the lines of, well, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to be something that, you know, you can make some money at, you can have some security at. And so then even in our, our churches, Sometimes a child will be like, "Oh I want to grow up and be a preacher and then the response is "Oh boy that would that would be great you could impact a lot of people like that well ultimately it doesn't matter how many people that I impact my concern is not the audience that I have or rather my concern shouldn't be the audience that I have my concern should be what am I doing with the audience that I have you know how how close am I to the Lord how am I feeding the people that that He has given me the opportunity to, to help. As we're teaching, we need to teach. This is what God views as success. He doesn't care how many people you talk to. He doesn't care how many people are in your auditorium. He doesn't care how many people are in your Sunday school class. He wants you to be diligent. He wants you to work hard. He wants you to pour yourself, what you said, in devotion to Him and let Him take care of the rest. But success is determined on the level of commitment that we have to the Lord.
1: And I think that would help to steer away some future celebrity driving. Okay, but this is the hard part. I think we speak a lot to the guys that are in ministry or on the platforms. What about the guy sitting in the pew? How do we keep him from from chasing this or getting caught in the trap? Well, I think there's—okay, so for example, Jesus lived in poverty.
2: And then you look at Cain, for example, the way of Cain. Understanding that following Christ is— kind of being a broken record here, but following Christ, that is turning away from the world. That is not... So if we're still chasing this celebrity status, that is not the Christian life. That is not the life that Jesus Christ has for us. Chasing that celebrity life and status, that is the way of Cain. That is saying, hey, look, I gave God my best. It wasn't good enough. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to build my own civilization and I'm going to live for me and I'm going to put myself above everybody else. That's the way, the way of Cain. And if we're not careful, we, we have this competitive nature about us, and we look at and that envy creeps in. And what we want, we want to be successful in other people's eyes. So I know that's
3: a lot of rambling there, but... I was going to say, I think this will help tie together the, the ministry guy or the guy in the pew or anybody. We have to stop chasing the American dream as Christians that's the american dream is become rich and famous become this that and the other so whether i'm a minister in the church whether i'm joe blow on the fourth pew i have to i have to stop thinking that the successful christian life involves what i have in my possessions or what i have as my status or who knows me or who i know none of that matters because it's not about acquiring or achieving a certain rank status or you know being in
1: certain circles we have to we have to kind of pull out of that i was just thinking really listening to both of you there there are casualties in this war yeah there are casualties in this whole christian celebrity problem because guys get guys gals young people they get disillusioned looking at the icons they get disillusioned and they start chasing that Well, let's just say this Christianized neon rainbow, and life is disappointing because they don't make it. They don't get it, you know, and and there's casualties there. Uh, Families get busted up and churches suffer because people get more interested in their ego than in following Jesus. So the answer so far then, stop following men who are not leading you closer to Jesus. Motive matters. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? And then I, I would still add in there, you know, that part of all that process is checking your own envy, checking your own covetousness, covetousness, confession and repentance. Stay close to Christ.
2: And I would say another one: learn to say no. It's okay to say no. That's what
1: Nancy said. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy said, just learn to say no. Just learn to just say, say no. no.
2: Just say no. Yeah, learn to say no because what happens is a lot of these guys it's not their fault. Some of them it is. They, they do chase. Good point. But what happens is you get some young guy. He has hardly any experience, but he has some momentum. He's been studying real hard. He's been preaching good messages. He knows good people, and they say good things about him. He wants to have a good testimony for Jesus Christ. But then what happens is you have a church or a group of people, and they put him up on a pedestal, and he thinks it's just a great opportunity. And the next thing you know, he's in way over his head. He's set up to fail. And then things don't go the way or... But a lot of this wasn't his fault. So learn to say no. When when people want to put you on a pedestal and you feel, okay,
1: I'm being put in a position I shouldn't be in, learn to back off a little bit. Wow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you right. have the maturity to keep your motives right. The model that's been given is so dangerous. That's, yeah, my goodness. Because the young guys see that model. And then our, our, our church members sitting in the pews have only been given this model, and this is where the other two factors will tie in, this traditionalism and this Christian nationalism, because that defines the model in the American Western church culture. All right, let's close this thing out with giving you two examples, okay? Two examples to take home with you. Number one, John the Baptist. He's already been mentioned. But in John chapter 1, it says of John the Baptist, not because he was the first Baptist church preacher. It's because he baptized people. Okay, Whoa. What? I know. I might as Easy. well just kick over all the cans while Easy. I'm at it. Man. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Right there. You, you could stop right there. There was a man. Good to remember, you're yes. just a man. Amen. Sent from God. The only mission that matters is the one God gives you, not the one men gave you. Men will give you all kind of ideas, possibilities, and open doors. You better make sure it's the one God gave you. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. You know, I liked that his name was John. His name wasn't Melvin. Okay. <laughs> or if we have a Melvin out there listening, Melvin,
3: <laughs> we, to my buddy my point?
2: Melvin, to, to my buddy Melvin that I invited to listen to this, I'm. You're a great guy. I'm really sorry. My point
1: is, his name was simply John. It wasn't a fancy name. It wasn't a glamorous name. It wasn't a show name. It was just John. He was just a plain Jane dude. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him, through the light, might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world— And he says later on in verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. You know John had a following. Yes. But I think it was like Paul. They were following him as he was following God. And the next day John seeth Jesus. And what did he do with his following? He saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Later on John said, Hey. He must increase, I must decrease. The Apostle Paul. I love this passage right here. And you guys can have the closing comments after I give this one. The Apostle Paul over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If there was a church battling celebrity culture in the old days, it was Corinth. You won't find a more direct statement to what we're talking about than 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For ye are yet carnal. 1 Corinthians 3.3. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you. Get this. Envying and strife and divisions And I didn't think they had social media back then I thought Al Gore invented the internet How did this happen in the first century church in Corinth? Envying, strife and divisions among the people in the church Are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul And another, I am of Apollos Are ye not carnal? And this is, I love this part This is Paul's word now, he said who then is Paul? Mm. And who is Apollos? But ministers, that means servants, slaves by whom ye believed. We're just servants of God. We're just the messengers. Yeah. Even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You want to have a you want to have a ministry mantra. There it is, boys. Yep. I love how the church at Corinth was split into those four segments
3: of Paul, Apollos, Cephas, and then the ultra religious crowd of, well, we're followers of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and and I think I think we see that today. And, and the reality of it is, if we're really devout followers of Jesus, we don't have to publicly and loudly and boisterously proclaim we're followers of Jesus. Our actions will speak for ourselves. By their fruits you shall know them. You know, they'll pick up on the fact that okay, they're they're kind of running counterculture to this. So I think. What we can take as an encouragement for all of us, whether we're the minister on the platform, whether we're the guy in the pew, the guy that is chasing celebrities, or whether we're the guy that is chasing celebrityism, just be just be genuinely focused. We don't have to let everybody know where our allegiance is. We don't have to put it on a big banner. We don't have to you know, put it on a T-shirt of all this kind of... Just literally be a devout follower of Christ, and the impact will come. We'll have the ability to be able to minister to others. For years in our group, worldliness is defined
2: as, you know, drinking and smoking and honky-tonking. rousing, Yes. Doping it up. Yeah, careful.
1: The- careful doing anything because that might lead to dancing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Even though Ecclesiastes 3 said there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. That's
2: Old Testament, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, worldliness... And you said it, envy and strife. That is worldliness. That's the book of James defines worldliness as envy and strife. That's what creeps in. And when you look at John the Baptist, when he used that personal pronoun I, Jesus Christ was still the center of attention. Everything he did was about Jesus Christ. And when envy and strife creeps in, we're looking at other people. We're thinking about ourselves. How can I get elevated I want to follow so-and-so. I'm with so-and-so no matter what, no matter where they go, whatever happens. That is that is envious. There's there's a lot of um, jealousy. There's a lot of things, and it's not of God. It's it's carnal, and it's wrong. And get back to where John is with his last testimony. It's all about Christ.
1: That reminds me of when you two guys wear those T-shirts you like to wear together. The one that says, I'm with dumb, and the other says, I'm with dumber. That's cute. Dude, anyway, uh you know what? what? I think it's why, time to up. Why wrap do we come up?
3: to this place this <laughs> early in the morning to I try to do no. this kind of stuff to take nothing
1: but flack and flack and Arnie. flack? That's all I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh that just about sums it up. I should have let you drop the pen over there. It don't matter. It's it's already been dropped. Oh. I dropped it already, but you guys kinda should have had a redrop.
2: Well, you put a lot of pressure on us by doing that. <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: That's a right. clubber laying in the Rocky Three. I was thinking that was more Rocky. Do you I thought real- that was Rex QuanDo. <laughs> do you realize all of your
2: impersonations sound like Rocky? Hey, yo. Yeah. Hey, Cunningham. Yo, Adrian.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, let's hey, wrap. Can hey. we wrap this up? I got places to be and things to do, people to see. Not necessarily celebrity in that order. celebrity status to build. Hey,
2: I got to go live at the Waffle House here in about 20 minutes. I've got to
1: go. I've got to go tweet.
2: Yeah. So.
3: I don't know that there would be anything that would bring me more joy and satisfaction than to see that you really did have a Twitter and threw out your first tweet. I think that would go viral just yeah. out of irony. Yeah, To
2: all yeah. my 1,000 followers, we were hashtag truth, <laughs> hashtags <laughs> celebrity. Let's just
1: say that if you try to find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or any of the other portfolios out there, you're going to have a hard time finding it.
2: It's a fake oh, account. That's, just everybody know. Know. that's what I
3: was getting ready yeah. to say. Do you know how much fun it would be to do that, but boy, that would be like that'd be bad. That's a true celebrity
2: status. If you have people with fake Facebook accounts of you, you know you're truly Posting on your behalf. Yeah,
1: posting on your behalf. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, all I got to say is this is Mike Overtrek Barnett thanking you, apologizing, whatever fits. Happy trails to you. This
3: is Dr. Dean Roland Napoleon, and you are welcome. And this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next week.
0: In the heart of a champion There is a fire And the flames are controlled In the heart of a champ.